Welcome to RetroTube Archive Television Podcast, the podcast you can bring home to meet your parents. Until Heather starts making smutty jokes, that is. Naughty Heather. This is part two of our chat about Doctor Who Season 5, and yes, it is Season 5. If you haven't listened to part one yet, I applaud your punk spirit, you rebel you. And because we didn't get around to talking about the Ice Warriors in part one, I can use the same gag again. Cracking ray gun effect, Gromit! A little thing I wrote down here, slightly irrelevant, but it, because we, I was watching Doctor Who on Britbox, which you kindly provided me with, uh, and I also have access to Disney+. Plus. I, I, I have this idea of sending messages back to my past self like me when I was 11 or 12 and I like the idea of sending a message to my past self that in the future I will be able to sit down and I I will have at my fingertips all of Doctor Who all of Blake 7 all the Star Wars films including some new Star Wars films you haven't even seen yet 12 year old me Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy I can listen to any Beatles album at the touch of a button I've got nearly eight hours of just watching the Beatles in the studio at my fingertips. My poor little chap, that poor little chap that used to be me, his mind would explode. <laughs> it would. I mean, do you know, honestly, that is approximately 98% of the reason that I've sent the fire zip to you because I knew that that's what it would mean. <laughs> and like the other 2% is just because I love you. Oh, um, <laughs> just two. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's mostly because it would make you happy. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> Oh no, I'm just so I'm so glad that you have those feels because that's just a it's just a beautiful thing. But I think my twelve year old self would also be a bit baffled as to why I wasn't just sitting in front of the TV all day just watching all this stuff constantly. Why aren't you? I don't know because I'm an adult. That's a silly excuse. <laughs> I watch this stuff a lot, but cause I remember um, before Peter or I had VHS players, we heard about. Somebody we knew, and I can't remember who. It's just somebody we went to school with, I think. I remember this conversation that they had a video player and they had a copy of Star Wars on tape. What? But they didn't really watch it. And it's like, why? If I had Star Wars on tape, I'd watch it every day. I remember saying that. Oh, oh my God, that just killed me. Oh, my heart's a little broken a little bit. Oh, no. And I think, Peter, I think we both agreed between us that this would definitely be the case. How many times have you actually seen Star Wars since you've had the capacity to watch Star Wars all day, every day? Um, Since I've got the fire stick, I've watched Empire Strikes Back. Good choice. So next we watched episode one of the Ice Warriors. Warriors. They are Ice Warriors. They are not Nice Warriors. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) And I think growing up, the Ice Warriors were my favourite out of all the Doctor Who aliens. I think it's mostly because of the design. I really like the design. I liked how the, the different heads look different from each other. They seem to have diff- different personalities, whereas all Cybermen look the same and all Daleks look the same as each other. But the Ice Warriors, there were variations in their costume a bit. So it was a bit more organic. I think it was all the design because Doctor Who alien personalities, and this is one of the downsides, one of my criticisms of classic era Doctor Who, is aliens would tend to have all the same personality no matter what their background is. They were all essentially Cybermen. Mm. So you get these these ancient warrior lizard creatures from Mars who would stand around saying things like, our plans are transpiring satisfactorily. Excellent. Or uh, in, in later stories, there's a, a race of plant people that had been artificially bred 
by scientists in a lab and they became sentient and burst out and they stood around in corridors going, Our plans are transpiring satisfactorily. Excellent. So it was... That's all they do. That's all yeah. they say. The voices that they use, the, the those voices. Yes. <laughs> um, they are... It, it, is all, it is a voice that is also used by the face who is Adam Adamant's arch enemy. Oh. We will come to, we will come to Adam Adamant lips at some point in the not too distant. I'm very excited but about that. That is that is very much the exact voice that he uses. I kind of got a bit confused because not only is it the voice that the face uses, but the way that the ice warriors look is very much like the Aquifibians from Stingray. Oh, blimey. Which is also a show that we are going to come to at some point. What I like about the ice warriors is, is that's their armour, that's their clothes. They're we- they are wearing helmets and they're wearing armour and it's not... We're meant to think that this is what they're wearing. Most aliens are naked. They... Well, they are. The sea devils wear nice string vests, actually. <laughs> String, sea devils string, talk a bit yeah, like. <laughs> Goodies fans will know about that. Sea devils talk a bit like um, ice warriors, but they have a bit of a, a modulation, so that's more of a. Yeah. We are standing in a corridor, like that. That's what they say. <laughs> the plans are transpiring satisfactorily. <laughs> that is all they said. <laughs> That is everybody's line. <laughs> if he succeeds in eliminating us, their voids will cease to exist. Forget your previous orders. Bruckner's death is now our priority. He cannot be permitted to prevent us from reaching planet Earth. Sea Devil Warriors have captured the reactor room. Excellent. Allow my crew to surrender. It is they who insist upon fighting. The damage is assessed, Victor. The computer can be restored to normal functioning. When I first befriended Phil, and he lived in the same village as me, it turned out. Mm. So yes, I met I met him because I'd drawn some pictures of Doctor Who for a do- for a school drawing competition. Oh yeah. And I'd pinned them up on a notice board, oh. and he'd come up to me and get and said, "Are you are you the kid that did those drawings?" And I said, "Yeah." I said, "Oh yeah, I'm a do- big Doctor Who fan as well." I said, and I was like, "Wow, another Doctor Who fan!" Because it was such a rare thing. Oh my God, you're the only other one in the whole village, and and by extension, the entire county. Yeah, now it's not a it's not a big thing to be a Doctor Who fan of, of either, really. But it was so rare in those days. And then I moved to the same village as him. But it took me... Because I have slight facial blindness with people I don't know. Obviously, with people I know, it's fine. But people I don't know, I find it hard to recognise them again. So I was on the bus going, is that the same... Is that the same guy? Should I go up and talk to him? Is that him? It looks a bit like him. But it's a bit weird if we happen to have moved to the same village. I was sitting there on the bus and it took a few days for him to then come up to me and start talking to me so, and so he lived five minutes walk away which was really exciting and he had all these videos which we didn't have at all we didn't have anything like that i had i could only not. read the novelizations that was my only recourse to 
reliving these things. And the first story that I saw round Philip's house was the second Ice Warrior story, which is called Seeds of Death, which is a later Patrick Troughton one. And that was just so exciting. It was a hot summer's day. We went to his house, we drew all the curtains, we put on the video, and it's this old black and white story. And even though that Patrick Troughton was my favourite doctor, I hadn't actually seen any of his adventures. This was just going by the books again. Oh, that's the most adorable thing I've ever heard. But it was also quite sad because... I remember it vividly, actually, watching the the bit where... You won't know it because you haven't seen it, but there's a bit where they're flying on a rocket and they're, they're, all the actors in it are pretending to be in zero gravity and Patrick Troughton's legs are waggling about in the air <laughs> and Phil kind of laughingly made a reference to this and then made some reference to the fact that he was dead. I was like, what? He says, oh, yeah, Patrick Troughton died. Oh, no. I like, no, you can't. I, I didn't hear about this. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he died quite recently had a heart attack so like i had to watch the whole of this story oh no that's awful knowing that he'd just recently died oh no so i could probably pin down the exact week that i watched this story i think it was 1980 is that 1985 or 1986 i can't remember. i should know that shouldn't i Oh, 1987. So this is March 1987. So it would have been, a f- it probably would have been a few weeks afterwards. So I remember saying, I didn't say, I said to him, it didn't say anything in Doctor Who magazine. And Philip's saying, oh, it takes takes them ages to, to write those and publish those. It would, you know, it'll be in the next issue. So it would have been like a hot day in spring. I built a Sevens. There was a, a guy called Stuart Evans who used to, make Doctor Who model kits that you could buy so I bought a Ice Warrior one and I have a very vivid memory in summer of 1987 in my house in Willsford constructing this and listening to uh, John Lennon's Imagine album over and over again. So when I listen to the Imagine album now I can still smell the modelling clay that you used to there's this putty they called it cement or concrete i think they called it cement but it was this kind of putty that hardened that you join the different pieces together with and i can still vividly smell it whenever i listen to the imagine album oh wow i love synesthesia though i do it's literally the best neuro neurodivergence of all it's the most fun it certainly is mm, the most colorful <laughs> sometimes literally Quite literally yeah <laughs> So this one, they rediscovered four episodes in 1988, so there's still a couple missing here and there. But we we watched episodes one and four because there are because two and three are missing. And this podcast isn't really about the reconstructions or talking about that. So I wanted you to experience it as it would have been seen at the time. So right. we skipped straight from I see. we skipped straight from one to four. So that's why. Yes. That's why I have no idea what happens. yes it's it's a slightly cruel exercise we are purists and i have to pay the price so yes the ice warriors what what did you think to this well i hated the man clent client client yeah yes (laughs) and do you remember where we've met him before no oh you don't this is peter barkworth from um tales of the unexpected he's the other sad actor i see yes well Mm-hmm. He deserves to be. <laughs> Peter Barkworth from Where Eagles Dare, a proper film star. My first note on this episode, this story, in fact, is does Patrick Troughton only ever go to really cold places? <laughs> I think he does, yes. He likes wearing his big fur coat. Them's the rules. He, but he looks good in the fur coat. He looks like he belongs in the fur coat. Yes, even though we don't wear fur these days. And, we and do I've, not wear fur. I have cancelled the second Doctor. 
But he does look very good in it. Sorry? He does. He rocks it. He's not allowed to cancel the second Doctor. I've done it. It's too late. Oh, my God. Rude. (laughs) (laughs) My second note is, I'm not 100% sure what's going on here. And I feel like that is going to be my mindset for the rest of the episodes. Yes, you're not sure what's going on and it's only episode one where we haven't even skipped any yet. This is true for the Ice Warriors and whatever the... Oh, the Web of Fear. Web of Fear. It, the Web of Fear. It feels like both of them start in the middle of the story, so I'm meant to be catching up with something. I don't know what I'm meant to be catching up with. There's no preamble. There's no, this is who this character is, this is who that character is, this is what they are doing here. It's just like they plunked you in the middle of something really involved, and you're just meant to know. And I really don't like that. In the 60s, the stories tended to dovetail. So it wasn't like the newer ones where you just start the adventure, you know, we don't know how much time has passed from the previous adventure and they could have gone on lots of holidays in the meantime. But in the 60s, and particularly the Patrick Troughton ones, the start of the new adventure, they would often be just recovering from the previous adventure. Right. So in one, was it this one or the, I think it's the next one, Web of Fear, the very beginning Oh, God, that confused me so much. Yes, that's the end of... What's happening with you? What are you doing? They're dealing with the end of of, uh, the... What's it called? I keep wanting to say the invisible enemy. No, the, um, the other one. Enemy of the world. They've just—they're dealing with the enemy of the world. The end of that one. Mm. So they, yeah, they—they're contiguous and continuous and flow on within you and without you. (laughs) (laughs) All the time. All the Doctor Who. All the time. Also, a thing about uh, this era of Doctor Who is that the stories had tended to have their own bespoke title cards and opening. So this one has icicles and. They'd often have their own typeface as well. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the angry Star Trek lady singing. Oh, God. I know. That went on for way too long. Um, in fact, I got so I got so distracted by trying to ignore it that it ended up being halfway through the episode. Um, I realised I was halfway through the episode and so I had to rewind it to start again. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hadn't taken any notes. I wrote down, bring back Linda Barron. Oh, no, 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 wait, no, wait, no. Whoa, I didn't we mean it. Whoa, hang on a minute. No, we don't, we don't need to go that far. But it was very irritating. I mean, at least, at least Angry Star Trek Lady... Only went on for like the first one minute or so this is of true, the show, yes. and not you know over four entire episodes. <laughs> so this story is set in a in a new ice age at some point in the future. Yeah. So it's very cold and bleak and snowy. Everyone wears pop art. Yes, they do. These kind of weird pop art smocks, and some ladies wearing kind of polythene pop art shorts, which Jamie is very enamoured with, and he asks. Oh. He's he a asks big fan. Uh, Victoria why she doesn't dress like that. Victoria is scandalised. How dare you ask me why I'm not wearing stuff like that? How dare you, sir? And he's like, huh, hoots, well, it was just an idea. The effect doesn't really come across well, but there's like a plastic dome, and then there is a stately home in the middle of it, underneath this dome. 
the photograph of the stately home through the round the circular window i always took that as a piece of artwork but apparently that is supposed to be looking as as looking at the actual stately home through the window so it doesn't quite work but i like the idea and it, it makes a nice contrast from just white science fiction setting that this this base with all its computers and its gleaming equipment is inside the stately home with the candlesticks and victoria says oh this is like my house yes Oh, she she does feel quite at home straight away, really. And then we meet Peter Barkworth. Oh, I think it's very good. I think he's an excellent actor. He plays the character very well. I mean, yes, he he does. I've not he's got a problem with him specifically, but the character himself just absolutely dreadful. Just a dreadful human being. I mean, I hope he freezes to death. Even for a sixties base under siege character, he's very cross and snippy. He's awful. Why has the ionizer been allowed to deteriorate to danger level? There was a pulse stoppage. I've done all I can to boost it. We can't be allowed to fall any lower. We still have time to evacuate. We will certainly not evacuate. We've beaten its tantrums before. It's falling again. Well, hold it. You must hold it steady. I can't. Switch the stabilizing circuit through to computer. I have. Still not hold it. All circuits, woman. All circuits. There's not enough power. And his name's Clint. And I'm sorry, but that sounds like it could be a swear word. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we we meet another alien buried in a cold location we do we do it's just it's just all that patrick troughton does he just digs up aliens in the snow that's his job in life yeah most of the opening is is these is is angry man and angry man being angry i like the fact there's lots of ladies in it because there weren't very many in tomb of the cybermen it was just miss kaftan and her brown makeup or grey makeup because it's in black and white. So this at least has ladies in. Uh, but Clint is is being very cross with them and barking and being being all grumpy and going around with this rather attractive uh, transparent walking stick. I rather like that. It's quite nice, yeah. But things always pick up when the regulars arrive. Suddenly it, they do. It goes from feeling like a really dated sixties show to feeling really fresh and modern. Yes, the TARDIS lands on its side and there's a big comedy struggle getting out. You're on my hand! Oh, sorry, Doctor. Give me a hand. That was a blind landing. Is that what you call it? Oh, no broken bones. Hey, look at the snow. Oh, no, not again. Tibet was bad enough, but I think you put us down just farther up the mountain. Well, we'll see, shall we? Very careful. Get out. Go. It's quite a long drop. Oh. Hey, it looks like a great big wall of ice. Oh! What is it? You're on my hand. Paul Jamie is in sub-zero temperatures and he's still only got his kilt to warm him. He's not even got long socks at this point. He's not experiencing any kind of cold that he wouldn't already have experienced in the Highlands of Scotland, frankly. That's true. That is a pretty nippy place. He's already had frostbite there. It won't bother him a second time. Is anything worn under the kilt? No, it's all in perfect working order. All right, Eric Morecambe, calm down. (laughs) That's Spike Milligan joke. (laughs) I don't know who these people are, but they look like ice hobos or snowbows. Oh, wait, one of them's Cleggy. It's Peter Salis. Cleggy's in this. It's Peter Salis and Angus Lenny. Angus McClenny of, of the Clan McClenny, another weird, weird Scotsman. Oh, it's Angus McClenny. He's being all weird. 
That's that's an he's an annoying character, isn't he? Oh, he's awful. Store. I think possibly five years ago, I would have said he's a really unrealistic character. But actually, I know I have former Facebook friends who behave exactly like this. Mm. You've taken the vaccine. You must be evil. <laughs> Any enemy of the vaccine is a friend of mine. <laughs> I'll be having none of that technology around here. <laughs> that's exact. That's exactly him. That's that's who he is. What are they up to? Arden's found something in the ice. Something to take back to Clint. It won't be appreciated. Ah, they ought to leave well alone. Arden was always a searcher. He wanted to be an archaeologist when I knew him. Archaeologist. What good's that? It's good to know things even when they're dead. Nothing sacred to you, is it? I only ask questions. It's in my character, I suppose. Ah, you swore you'd give all that up. A discovery is exciting to me as the hunt is to you. But with Clint, he uses scientist craniums as stepping stones for his ambition. Ah, that's about all you lot are fit for, doorstates. Oh, we're not totally useless, surely. To me, yeah. Uh, come on, we've got to move leave them to the stupid games. Yeah, they seem to be... Are they a gay couple? Probably. But they're a gay couple who refer to each other by surname, as all male Doctor Who characters in this era did. They refer to each other as, as Store and... What's what's Peter Salas? Cleggy. Yeah, Cleggy. No, he's, he's playing... Um, <laughs> Store and Cleggy. Pl- 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 begins with a P, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, but he's Cleggy. No matter what he's in, no matter who he is, he's always Cleggy. Mm. He's not even Wallace. He's just Cleggy. Peter Salas' beard is painted on. Did you notice that? Yes, I did. It is. Why is his beard? Maybe maybe Storr likes it. He said, you look awful cute with a painted on beard. <laughs> I do like you like that. I really hope so. <laughs> He was in Great Escape. Have you ever seen Great Escape? I have seen Great Escape. Yeah, he's my favourite character. Of course in Great I have. Escape. It's got Dave McCallum in it. Of course. We Dave McCallum. Just full of tiny Scotsmen. Yes, it is. And Steve McQueen. But yes, I was a, I was a big fan of Angus Laney and that. So he's he's a bit of a film star as well. Yes. But it, it, it's just a very two-dimensional character, isn't it? Oh, not even that many. No. But Peter Salis is very good. He's very engaging. He's always very, very good. He's Peter He's got Salis. star quality. He has. He's Cleggy. He's somebody you could think he could be a doctor. Oh, he'd be the cutest doctor. <laughs> Even cuter than Patrick Troughton. Mm-hmm. They'd probably be on a par. They could be Doctor Twins. <laughs> yes. I don't think anybody could possibly be cuter than Patrick Troughton. At this stage in my life. No, he's very adorable, isn't he? He is. I would do anything for Patrick Troughton. I just love him. I liked Arden. Arden by Farden Diddley, Arden by Farden. He's so sarcastic. He doesn't care! He's he doesn't care! <laughs> he's giving his boss some serious sass. He gives zero fudges. He really does. Arden, can you hear me? Yes, what is it? You must return to base immediately. Well, don't panic. I've almost finished setting up the seismograph probes. Davis, well, forget from the ionizer's near to disintegration point. Oh, I wonder if Pendley's ears are burning. It's not a laughing matter, man. You know what it means. Yes, cold weather ahead. <laughs> I thought it felt a bit nippy. We have full inquiry into your delay, you realise that? Yes, well, I've got a very good reason. A fantastic reason. 
fantastic discovery in the ice. Your task was to set up movement probes in the ice, not indulge in amateur archaeology. This is a man. Ooh, congratulations, makes a change from fossils. Now leave it and return. I'm bringing the body back with me. Arden. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. There seems to be something to fear in. Arden! All kinds of things happen to him in this episode. And he just, whatever happens, he just makes a joke. He doesn't care. He really doesn't... He's he just like, lol, lol, we found yeah. a bloke in the ice, lol, Raffle. Oh, don't tell, don't tell me he's another mastodon. Ha <laughs> 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 I'm coming out with zingers tonight, pals. <laughs> and, his, and his little, just, his oh. chubby little pal who goes, oh, proper little ice warrior, isn't he, sir? Mm. Proper little ice warrior. A giant among prehistoric men. Is the kind of armour he's got on? Yes. That's rather strange. He looks pre-Viking. But no such civilization existed in prehistoric times before the first ice age. <laughs> Proper ice warrior, isn't he, sir? This is the thing about ice warriors. It's like the TARDIS. Because originally we, we learned that the name TARDIS is uh, a nickname that Susan has made up, but it becomes the official name for TARDISes all over the world. TARDAG. And, and ice warriors will go on to then refer to themselves as ice warriors, even though it's actually a name given to them by Arden's little pal. I really enjoyed the line when Storr does, archaeology, what good is that? He does the little exactly. spit. Exactly. I really like the bit where the doctor is really impish and he just inserts himself into the situation and starts taking over. Yes, in fact, I <laughs> that is exactly what I've written down. Um, one of one of the companions, I can't remember which one, says, it might be dangerous, let's leave it. And he goes, no, let's go in. And then the doctor <laughs> comes in and shouts a bit and completely takes over. What a sir. I He's fantastic. Wow. He is, I love him. I don't know if I've mentioned this at any point. Much as I love William Hartnell, it's nice just to have that extra energy. Yes. Just He's just that much more kinetic and that much more vigorous and lively. Yes, very much. Very much. I get that. I mean, from the few William Hartnell stories that I've seen. Like, I loved how he was just a little sweet old man, really. He, I mean, like, he was a little bit grumpy now and again. But essentially, he was just a guy with toothache. Uh, <laughs> pretty much just I mean it was so sweet the way that he got everybody's names wrong mm. and stuff like that but he he was very much you knew he was a little old man most notably because of Susan's complete insistence on yelling grandfather every two seconds um, so it was really impressed upon you that this is a very old man but then when Patrick Troughton came in, it was like, yes, this is kind of this is kind of an oldish man, but he's not really an old man because here he is bounding around the place like an absolute loon, and hurtling himself headlong into danger, not because he wants to help, but just because he's nosy and wants to know what's going on. Yes, Miss Garrett and the Doctor have the same hairstyle. They do. They probably both got it from the same place. I also think, actually, going back to it, I think um, also the fact that Patrick Troughton has a Beatles haircut makes him seem very modern, whereas he does. William Hartnell has a like an old man's Edwardian old man hairstyle. Hair. Yes, but uh, Patrick Troughton is very much pretending to be Paul, I think. I think, yes, that's a Paul McCartney haircut he's got. It's definitely Paul, Paul more than the others. You know, which was yeah. great for the Daleks at the time. Ha <laughs> ha 
and I said to the Cyberman, I said, hey, lads, you know, we should wait. Ah, lovely. Um, oh, here we go. Clint decides to take himself off to a thing called... Vibrochair. The Vibrochair! Yeah, he gets he, he starts to get ideas, doesn't he, when he's in the vibro chair? <laughs> I mean, you would. <laughs> he does. <laughs> so now, now I'm in the vibro chair. Have you ever thought about undressing? <laughs> that is literally what happens. It's the most weird, bonkers thing. Have you ever thought about dressing in PVC for me? <laughs> says for me. I mean, he doesn't, but he does. <laughs> White thigh-high pop-up boots would look very good on you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying this objectively. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't bother me one way or another. <laughs> no, yeah, it's just like I just thought you might like it. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for anything. I don't care, but uh, it's just probably something like, you'd like whatevs. to buy. You need a stint in the vibro chair. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't. I'll be asking all kinds of people to wear thigh high boots and PVC dresses. <laughs> uh, I could do with a go in this, maybe. Uh, Victoria. What? Did you see how those lassies were dressed? Yes, I did. And trust you to think of something like that. Well, could help thinking about it. Well, I think it's disgusting wearing that kind of thing. Oh, so it is. So it is. You, uh, you don't see yourself dressed like that, then. Jamie! Oh, I'm sorry. It was uh, just an idea. We will now change the subject, please. The man in the ice looks like he's pre-Viking. Oh, no, my favourite bit in that episode was the Doctor trying to come up with an explanation for the sudden cold front mm. and getting all flustered because client said to him, you've got 45 seconds. And he was like, oh, no. Oh, there are so many. There are so many possibilities. Let me go through them all really, really quickly. Ah! And then he came up with 
exactly what the problem was. But yeah. He probably knew. He all probably the knew. Time. That's a really fun scene, isn't it? Showboating. Like that That's a really just, good. It's a really good scene. Any scene that Patrick Troughton can showboat in is just going to be worth watching. Absolutely. I think the great thing about Patrick Troughton is that he's always worth watching. Even the other, even Tom Baker, who is great and brilliant. If a story's bad, he will often just either not bother or will just take the mick and just not take it seriously at all and just clown around and he's mucking about. But Troughton is just is it will always try his hardest and his yeah he'll do clowning, but it's not because he's fed up and being rebellious it's because it's a choice he's made and he's being entertaining and he's being the doctor and he's he's putting everything into the performance so he's always on it he's always no matter how bad a story is in it's always worth watching because he's in it i present you a problem yes all the major continents are threatened with destruction under the glaciers of the second ice age yes. how would you halt the ice surge and turn the climate back to normal 45 seconds starting from now oh but, um, uh, possible causes, uh, reversal of the magnetic field. No such change has occurred. Um, interstellar clouds uh, obscuring the sun's rays. An excessive burst of sunspot activity. A severe shift of the Earth's angle of rotation. Oh, come on, don't There aren't many alternatives. Uh, <clears throat> a gigantic heat loss, eh? Uh, Ask for an answer, not a question. Twelve seconds left. Oh, uh, oh well, <clears throat> in that case, the answer's simple. A severe drop in the carbon dioxide level in the Earth's lower atmosphere. Is that it? I would use ionisation. Well, is he right? Yes, he is. So we have done F- uh, the Ice Warriors episode one, and we've jumped forward past the two animations, the reconstructions, missing episodes... And we're now yes. on Ice Warriors episode four. Just to baffle, just to baffle poor old Heather's noggin. What the bleeding nail went on. Yeah. There's no singing, at least, at the beginning of this one. So that's quite good. The music's actually quite nice. It's quite effective. No angry Star Trek lady singing. No, no. I was glad of that. I was glad of that. And we get to see the Ice Warriors in all their glory. We do. The Ice Warriors. They're quite creepy. I like the creepy way their mouths move. Yeah, but they are good buddies. Did you notice who plays the leader of the Ice Warriors? I did not. It's a very unlikely actor. Very tall actor. Well, I won't know then. It's someone very, very unlikely. You won't believe me when I tell you, but it's true. Okay. It's Bernard Breslau. No way. It really is. Bernard actual, you need feet Breslau. I seem to remember from the documentary on the DVD that his kids liked it and they really wanted to be him to be in it. And he was, oh. I think, a fairly big name at the time, but he was the guest star in it and he wanted to do a... a well, he will have been in 1967. He wanted to do a really good job of of not being comedy actor Bernard Breslau, but actually throwing himself in and properly playing this alien and i think he does a really good job i think what's a bit unfortunate a couple of unfortunate things i think he's so disguised by the makeup but also his whispery voice which was possibly with his idea i think he invented the whispery voice for that that and not a lot of his performances coming across it's difficult to do a good performance when you're just whispering slowly um, but also, there have been so many aliens like that since mm. that it's really difficult to get a, a good 
appreciation of how much he was giving to it and how original that part was. But yeah, that's that's Bernie in there. Can't believe that. In the lead one. So you can't really tell them apart a lot of the time. No. It's like, which one's this talking now? She's betraying us. She must be destroyed. Let her talk first. They will know our numbers. They will also know she is alive. She is the bait. We see Victoria's outside in the snow on her own. She's been... Oh, yeah, she's been used as bait. Yeah, she's been used as bait. Or she's been captured by the Ice Warriors, but she's escaped. And Clint is really furiously asking her to tell them what engines the Ice Warrior used. And oh course, God, yes, this is this is the bit that really peed me off. He kept of calling she was only a girl. She's no idea. She's yeah, she a she's she's Victorian, which to be fair, I didn't realise at the time. Um, but also, she's just been captured by aliens, and she's quite clearly scared. And she's obviously not a scientist. And he's there like, well, what kind What kind of an engine is it? Tell me, tell Come me. Come on! Is it this? Tell me, girl! And he keeps on calling a girl, and I'm like, he doesn't even say please, he just keeps on calling a girl. And honestly, if it was me, I would have shut off communications and told him to do something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then... You but were then stuffed the doctor, his fibro... Ch- sorry. The doctor then comes in. Yeah. And he says... Do you know what the engines look like? Mm, can you describe them to you us? See, he's, he's the picture of kindness and understanding. He is because he's an angel and he would never refer to a woman as girl. <laughs> swine. Hey, Clint, you're a swine. <laughs> yeah, a swine. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, who's that little old man? <laughs> well, who is he? Sorry. There's a great bit in Get Back where they see a couple of George's Harry Krishna mates over in the corner and Paul says, hey, who's that little old man? <laughs> John says, he's very clean, isn't he? <laughs> and I think it's really sweet that they, like, even they are referencing Hard Day's Night movie. They're not so sniffy about are they, it. Are they trying to be us? <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I feel like I would be the John to your Paul, to be fair. Victoria, tell us more about the Warriors. No, they're unimportant. Have you seen the propulsion unit of the spacecraft, girl? Oh, propulsion unit? The engines. Oh, yes. They're busy repairing them now. What kind are they? It's vitally important. I have no idea. Well, reactor turbine, ion jet, anti-gravity. Think, girl! Can you describe them to us, Victoria, dear? Oh, yes. Yes, I think so. Well, hurry, girl! Look, it is. Now I have, to have time to think. Victoria, what's happened? Are you all right? Victoria makes a break for it and she's pursued very slowly by the Ice Warrior. Mm-hmm. By Sonny Caldenez. I like that. That looks, the filming on that's really nice. It looks like an art film. The lighting in the yeah. ice caves is very nice lighting. When it gets out of the studio and goes on to film, it can look quite filmic. It almost reminded me of uh, Jonathan Miller's Alice in Wonderland which I think was in black and white, but it had that sort of slightly art house look to it. Oh, yeah, I know the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like the um, the food dispenser bit. Oh, yes, he, he says one of these little chaps. That's what I wrote down, yes. Word. 
Clint, Clint is referring to the buttons on the... He points to the buttons. He's telling the Doctor how to operate the food dispenser, which has a telephone dial on it for some reason. It's like an old rotary <clears> telephone <throat> dial to get the thing you need. But he uh, refers to the, the buttons as these little chaps here, which is the most British thing ever. I'm going to refer to buttons as these little chaps here. These little chaps. He's quite yes. a charming... He's quite a fun character when he's not being all uptight and snippy. But unfortunately, he's usually uptight and snippy. This is an automatic chemical dispenser, is it not? Yeah. How does it work? Well, you uh, choose the category of the article <clears throat> that you want by uh, indicating it on one of these little chaps here. Yeah. Jolly good. And uh, now you dial the precise chemical formula that you want there. May I? There's something I need rather desperately. Oh, what's that? Water. Indeed. Ah, oh, it's better. It's definitely a trope of the base under siege that the see the base commander is really grumpy, uptight, and difficult. I really liked the napping ice warrior, which I think is a little Bernard Breslau thing that he's done. It cuts to a scene and his his nose is just resting on the top of the armor, and then he's kind of the head emerges like he's a tortoise. I think he's just having a little nap. That. Oh yeah, that was really Aww, fun, really cool. That's so cute. He can, yeah, he sort of retreats in to the, the top of the the nose on the helmet and just sort of he's napping there and just having a little little snooze. Oh, well, I mean, he deserves one. He's been working hard. It takes a lot of you being evil all the time. I also really like the happy baby ice warriors that have got the huge heads and the big grins. Yes. They look like happy babies. They do all have, like, different... In fact, I made a note at some point that a lot of these just seem a bit too plump and jolly to be baddies. (laughs) Yes. There are a lot of avalanches in this episode. Avalanches happen constantly in this. It's like they forget how to end scenes in any other way. (laughs) It's like as soon as they need to just change perspective or go to a different bit or to just like have something happen it's always an avalanche and that is the that is the only thing that happens in this episode it's victoria having a good old scream bringing that bringing it down victoria screams a lot yeah i don't want to say anything that might upset you at this point but gosh it does border on annoying there's a lot of screaming (laughs) no i i i'm not a fan of ladies screaming in just because they're scared it does become too much of a trope and it's it's a thing that oh it's it's the companion so she has to scream but i think she's been through enough now and she's victorian but like with others that they should know that like in these situations it's it's a really bad idea to just scream mm. most of them would have been through enough that they would have learnt that and they would have learnt to be able to cope with it a bit more rather than just turning around oh there's a monster I'm going to just howl piercingly at the top of my lungs yes because that's going to help bring everyone running yeah it's true it's true oh actually I did get a little bit uncharitable in my notes when she said you're not going to kill me are you bitch am I <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> Yeah, she was really starting to annoy me at that point. And then I felt really bad for writing it, but something else happened, so I had to carry on making notes. No, I mean, I think she's quite a sweet character, but she is a bit annoying with the screaming. Enough with the screaming. They do, though. They do that. Some of them, there's a small handful that don't scream, but most of them shriek and yell and scream. Which is, uh, yeah, it does, does, does start to grate after a while. It's such a 
trope as well. I think it doesn't convey fear. No. Because it's too much of a cliche. It, it doesn't. And I kind of feel that it is a it's a hallmark of male writers. With, without yes, without wishing to so. without wishing to you know like cast aspersions on any male writers because I am a big fan of them, um, but they do think that yeah, a go, woman's go. please do cast aspersions. <laughs> they do think that a woman's default setting is to scream hysterically when anything goes wrong, or when they see blood. Like w- women do not scream at the sight of blood. Let me tell you, we see it a lot. It's fine. I have been a lady girl, woman type, female, feminine person for 38 years now. And I must say my instant reaction to most things is is, is not blood curdling screaming. Even bad things. A lot of bad things have happened to me in my life. And I have I have not let out any kind of a scream like that. Ever. It seems impractical. Like a, it doesn't a good scream do anything. is to alert people to danger, yeah. but it's gonna like have it's just standing there and having a good scream is gonna prevent you escaping it is. very efficiently. It's not remotely practical. It doesn't help. Um, what's it gonna do for you? It's just gonna take energy out of you. It's it's gonna throw a lot of, bring a lot of ice down on top of your head. It, I it mean, as Victoria shows a lot. So, any more for episode four? Um. Made a lot of notes about Cleggy, I think. Um, <laughs> oh yes, you tell us more about <laughs> Cleggy. He's very good. He's very very watchable. Cleg- I think apart from the regulars that Peter Salis and Peter Bart, the Peters, they Peters. carry it. Even though you don't like Clent, he's not meant to be. No, liked. no, no. But I think the actor is very he, good. He is. He is. That that's fine. It's just the the, the character is just awful. Cleggy and Scotsman have captured Jamie. At least Jamie will know what's going on. It's like me when Ziggy was talking in Grange Hill. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> Jamie's got another Scotsman. Oh, he meets another Scotsman. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, oh, at last! Finally, someone oh, who talks English. You're saying all the right words in the right order with the right accent. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, thank God for you. Uh, <laughs> they kind of try and gang up on Cleggy a little bit for a few seconds, which is sweet. And then Cleggy comes at Jamie with a tranquilizer pad, which is weird. Mm. And kind of, oh, I want one of those. Do, do, I, I didn't understand... Because obviously I'm just confused completely at this point. Um, did the tranquilizer pad paralyze Jamie, or was Jamie already paralyzed? No, he'd been shot by an ice warrior, oh. I think, in in, in episode oh. three. So he'd been zapped. Oh. So I think that's what happened to him. But Store, of course, he likes the ice warriors. He does like the ice warriors. Oh, the ice warriors. Anyone who's an enemy of the vaccine is a friend mm, of his. Yeah, the ice warriors, however. Not a big fan of him. He's he's halfway over the barbed wire fence. Um, House isn't too good. His fever's gone. Well, his body is young. It will heal. Then why are you looking so worried? I don't know yet. The weapons they used on him, peculiar. Uh, scientifically designed, of course. This is no time for debate. Uh, it's easily said. I'll away and fetch a fresh drink. You'll not keep me prisoner! Be still! No, get away out of it! Do not fight us! No, you'll not keep me! We saved your life! Oh! Oh, my head! What are you doing to me? I'm going to try and ease your pain with this tranquilizer pad. I don't believe you! Now, you must trust us. We know about your friend. We may be able to help. Victoria, well, where is she? In the alien spaceship. Alien? These warriors are not of our time, nor of this planet. Well, 
How would you know all that? Ah, uh, because he's a scientist. He can produce an explanation for anything. And you? <laughs> I'm a loyalist. A loyalist? Oh, <laughs> I've told you, have they? Hi. <laughs> But there's no time to talk. I came here to rescue Victoria. You're in no Oh, just you try me. Here, give me a hand. <laughs> it's not as bad as you say, Penley. Oh, scientists aren't always right. <laughs> you hear that, Penley? But your legs are still weak. My legs? I can't feel them. I can't stand. Oh, that's what your stupid drugs can do. Don't be a fool, Stroll. Of course it's not that drugs. Well, what is it, then? Well, their weapons must have affected your central nervous system. You mean I'm paralyzed? <laughs> The Doctor and Cleggie make friends because they both like Jamie. That is literally the, the whole reason. Yeah, he's a very likeable young man, isn't they, he? Yeah, he is. He's very sweet. He's very handsome. I mean, he is... I, I hadn't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, I mean, I think Store and Penley noticed that. I think they probably did. I think Store took a bit of a shine to him. Oh, he's a lovely wee man. And he's got such a normal accent. Um, <laughs> at least he talks properly. Look, not like these Sassanax. The Doctor demands to be let in by the Ice Warriors, and then he says, "I'm going to count to ten. I don't know what his plan is when he gets to ten, but he doesn't get to ten. They let him in." And they ask who he is. And the doctor's like, no, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Unless you ask me formally. Mm-hmm, uh-huh, mm-hmm. No, 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 no. And then the ice warrior says, well, if you don't tell me by the time I count ten, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and the doctor's like, what the hell? That's not playing fair, pal. And then, and then he's not finished counting. And then the credits go up. And then we go to a different story entirely. How would I ever know if the doctor lives or not? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Will he be all Help! right? Oh no! <laughs> yes, that's the end of episode four of the Ice Warriors. Yes, it is. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> <sighs> so, of the two, the Ice Warriors and Tomb of the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Did you like which one? Did you like the more? The more. I liked. Um, I think I liked the Tomb of the Cybermen best. And I think that is probably because I managed to watch the first two episodes so there was some continuity so I had an idea of what was going on. Okay, so I've basically just ruined it for you. Although I think the people losing bits of Doctor Who has actually ruined it for you. I think, this is is my thought on it, I think I I liked the situation of Tomb of the Cybermen but it had very flat and boring characters. Yes. And I I liked the characters in the Ice Warriors more... Even if Storr was very odd and very not an actual person, mm. but generally, I I thought it had more engaging characters, but a bit more of a standard issue situation. So if you could have had the characters of the Ice Warriors in the yeah, teams of the Cybermen, that would have been ideal. But then that that would have been best of both it worlds. Would have been exactly like being, you know, Hannah Montana and Miley Stewart. Um, mm. I whatever that uh, means. You know. Um, <laughs> you're just pretending to be old. Yeah, if you could have had if you'd had Peter Salis and Peter Barkworth down in the tombs instead of all these other these cardboard cutouts that we got, they were just fairly instant, instantly yeah, forgettable. Yeah, I think. I think they didn't have very much to work. Yeah, with. I think so. I think so. I liked both of them fine. I just got really confused in episode four a lot of times, and I, this this happened an awful lot in the Web of Fear as well. Possibly my least favourite sixties TV trope is the dastardly foreigner. So the Ice Warrior has that the Ice Warriors has that going for it. There are no dastardly foreigners unless dastardly unless foreigners. Spotsman. 
or, or uh, people from Mars. I guess they're for dastardly foreigners, aren't they? But they're not like vaguely Middle Eastern. Well, I mean, you, you can't get much more foreign than a different planet, to be fair. <laughs> No, this is true. They're quite dastardly and they're quite foreign. But they're not Middle Eastern in brown men. No, they aren't. They aren't. And they're not German either, which is another very, very 60s trope. For some reason, the 60s are still totally obsessed with the Nazis. Like, really, everything has got a Nazi in it. Yeah, it seems like around 70% of 60s TV is either that or Westerns. Yeah. It's true. Let's do a Western episode. I mean, why not? Who doesn't Who doesn't love a good Western? I mean, apart from you. Well, that's the end of part two, and we're still going. Tune in soon for part three, Call Blimey. Mm-hmm.